Welcome again to another episode of the Ryan and Stacy Show. Ryan here. I'm joined by my cousin Stacy. Stacy, how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good, actually. It was real good. Um, it snowed in Birmingham like Sunday night. <laughs> so we started the week with snow. After it was about 80 degrees. Yeah. It was like 70 or 80 degrees. It was like 70 or 80 degrees here in New Orleans on New Year's Day. New Year's Day, I was in shorts. I mean, I mainly dress like a bum most of the time because I really don't go anywhere. Like, it's 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 like I dress like a bum all the time. Okay, I'm, it's like, no, I'm not homeless. I live in a boarding house. But, um, yeah, it was really, it went from like 70 degrees to like 52 degrees. And um, I, I know for a fact you know, we didn't get any snow. Thankfully, it's not as cold as it normally is around this time of the year here in New Orleans. Well, I know, like I said, here, it was just hot. And then all of a sudden, like they said, it rained. It rained most of the week last week, but then the temp just fell off the bed. And so it got cold, like, all of a sudden. And they were saying at first we weren't going to get any snow. And then we went from no snow to winter weather advisory. And it, we had, like, at least my part of town, we got almost two inches of snow. Oh, and two it, inches of snow. Like, <laughs> I know that's not a lot, but that's, you know, for Birmingham. For, for, Birmingham <laughs> yeah, for Birmingham, it's a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't know when the last time I seen snow. The last time I saw snow was the year that I moved to New Orleans. And that that image of the snow in Memphis was my um, was my cue to come to New Orleans. <laughs> well, they got Huntsville got seven inches of snow. They're just north of us. They're like ninety minutes north of Birmingham. My cousin is up there, and I was texting her and asking her. She she just moved to Huntsville like three years ago, and all three years it has snowed. She's been up there. Holy shit. I think in, 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 in the last 100 years, I think New Orleans has gotten snow maybe twice, two or three times. Wow. I think in the last 100 years. The, the last huge snow day was 2008. And it was we bitterly, had- it was bitterly like last year when we didn't have parades, it was bitterly cold. And I remember being mad as hell about it being bitterly cold. But the saving grace was that we didn't have parades because could you imagine catching all that shit with, you know, catching all that shit in cold weather? I cannot imagine that. I know. I, I, I Like I said, I, you know, I love Mardi Gras and I really would like to go this year. Maybe some of this stuff will slow down so they'll allow us to have a decent Mardi Gras, but uh, yeah, I I like Mardi Gras better when it's not 20 degrees outside. That, I yeah. don't want to go. I can't deal with no cold. I can't deal with no cold. I can't deal with no cold ass Mardi Gras. I don't like a cold, I don't like, like February, February Mardi Gras, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of Fat Tuesday being in February. Give me a Fat Tuesday in March. And That's the fact that it's going to be this year is March. Yes, either late February or early March. You know, the last, since I've been here, uh, let's see, it was the first full year I was here 
it was in February. The second full year I was here, it was in February. So the first three full years I was here in New Orleans, they were all in February. And the seventh, this is the seventh, this is my seventh full year. And this is shaping up to be my seventh full year in New Orleans. Um, the only times we've had a March, a March Fat Tuesday was three years ago and this year. Everywhere, everything else has been late February or the middle of February. And um, I know one year, the, the first full year I was here in New Orleans, it was Fat Tuesday fell on a, it fell on February the 9th, February 9th. That's when Fat Tuesday fell. Because Valentine's Day was that Sunday, the 14th. And um, the second year, I was the second full year, it fell on um, February, I want to say February 28th. February, I want to say February, I want to say February 28th or February 27th. I'll have to check. And um, I love when it's warm on Mardi Gras day. You can actually breathe and everything. And I know it's going to be hard to get back. It's not going to be like crazy, crazy. I don't know how it's going to look. But the most important thing is we're getting parades back here in New Orleans. Um, the mayor said it and everything. And my theory has been, Stacey, that they, the state legislator, threatened to not give the city any more money if she didn't, if she didn't go forth with Mardi Gras with the parade mm. like that, that like that's really what they say because what people don't realize everybody gets everybody wants to get mad at the mayor and the governor the state legislator in this state is really crappy um my story the story i got like two years ago the governor didn't want to like reopen the state the way he that they did because they tried to take away his emergency powers in the state that is an actual fact right there. They tried to take away his emergency powers in the state. There were people in the quarter that wanted to impeach the governor because he ordered that the bars got shut down. And I'm like, you work in the quarter, you work in bars, you deal with drunk motherfuckers all the time. Why would you want them to, why would you get mad at the governor? Be mad at the people that won't do right. And today, and I'll say this and I'll shut up. Today, I said on, on, on Twitter, I said, everybody wants the governor to do this, do that, do this, do that. And I'm like, I get what he's, I get what, I get the, the message of what he said. I get, I understand where everyone's coming from, but you still got people that won't do right. Why should we have to suffer for people that don't want to do right. And why should, you know, why are we coddling people that don't want to do right? Which goes into our neck, goes into our first topic of the night, Antonio Brown. Um, Stacey, here's the thing, and I'll say this. <coughs> About eight years ago, my friend, uh, my friends, <coughs> Emily and Fam. We all had a show together called the Poetry Street Social Football Club. 
had 50 episodes. And it only got away because I ended up finding a, a job in the quarter. And it, it didn't allow me to do um, the things that I wanted to do. One of the things I said was, as long as you beat your wife, as long as you sexually assault a woman, as long as you beat a kid, as long as you do all these things that show micro show aggression, male aggression, you got a job in the NFL. But don't stand yeah. for social justice. Don't stand, don't do things, don't be gay. Don't do any of those things and you won't have a job in the NFL. Antonio Brown is a trash person. That is, that, that, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. However, we wouldn't be talking about Antonio Brown today if the, if the Buccaneers had cut him when, when he had, had those fake vaccination calls. Because when you do something like that, that's a felony. That's a felony right there, right? Am I right or wrong? That you're basically yeah. falsifying information on federal documents. Falsifying evidence. Yeah, you are. Okay. Yep. So that right there should have been his ground for getting cut. He should have been cut right then and there. Okay. Everybody wants to sit here and say, oh, yeah, he got um, mental issues. Dude, I have social anxiety disorder. Okay. Mental health, mental illness does not absolve you from being a shitty person. That is, that is, you know, we're, we're going to blame everything that he does on him being a shitty person because of, oh, yeah, he has, like, the, the Vontae Burfick hit changed him and everything, and he was never the same. This is who, he, this is who he's always been. He's always been yeah. a circus. He's always you know, I, been a circus. I, that's why I don't feel sorry for him because I know that people are saying, well, you know, he could be tough. I said, I really don't care because, first of all, he never should have got four chances in the NFL. After this last time with the Raiders, that should have been enough. But as, as you said, as long as you're talented, the NFL doesn't care. And he showed his ass. And, and I don't know. And I, I still think somebody else will probably sit there and take a chance on him. He's going to do the same shit before. He'll get another chance by some team. I hope it's not the Cowboys. Because somebody suggested he go play the Cowboys. Cowboys that's it. Hell no. I don't think it, it's going to be the Cowboys. I don't th and definitely it's not going to be the Saints. People wanted him here. And um, people wanted him here. But he bought cameras and everything. And the Saints we're not stopping you because you're going to fuck up the vibe. And that was the smartest thing that the Saints did. Okay. We'd rather win with Marquez Callaway and Trey Corn Smith than deal with a circus like Antonio Brown. Now, here's the thing I, I will say here, Stacey. And this is where I kind of like find myself in the back of the matter, back of the matter is that NFL teams, they view all these players like cattle. They view them as cattle. Bruce Aarons, um, Bruce Aarons is without is not has some blame with this because the way he handled this shit 
And the way that Antonio Brown handled it, you know, he bounced off the – he walked off the field and everything. He walked off the field. That's a story for another day. But the way that Bruce Aarons and the Buccaneers handled this was very poorly. The fact of the matter is that these players, that these uh, team doctors, they don't give a fuck about the health of these players. They really don't. Their job is basically say, hey, look, my job is not to get you healthy enough for you to live a long life. My job is for you to be healthy enough to play so you can make people, so you can make all these other folks billions and billions of dollars. And the thing about it with Bruce Aarons is that he should be writing, he should be sending all his checks to Andrew Luck because if Andrew Luck doesn't have the season that he has in Indianapolis in 2012, he's probably not gonna, he would not have gotten looked at for head coaching jobs. The thing about it also is that the way that everybody was like, oh, oh, um, Antonio Brown was in the wrong with all this stuff. He knows his body, Stacy. He knows his body. He knows what goes on with his body. If the man was not able to practice on Thursday, why the fuck was he out there on Saturday, on Sunday playing? Well, I like I said, I feel no sympathy whatsoever towards him. I'm sorry, I just don't. I think the, I, I, the get, I get, I get, I get you. The, the, like I said, the problem with this whole situation was the way that he acted. He didn't act like somebody who was hurt. He jumped around and acted a damn fool. That's why I'm like, I'm going to have to see x-ray because I'm not buying it. I'm not saying, you know, and to me, as I said the other day, if you're hurt, why are you going to play anything? Say you're hurt, put your ass down, rest, and my ankle is bothering me, and keep it moving. But you out here talking about you playing. Um, you out here um, acting like you, you know, that you all right. That's why I'm not feeling sorry for him because he, again, he bought the shit on himself. And I know people are trying to say, oh, well, you know, he might actually be sick. So I'm sorry. I don't feel bad because his jumping around made it look like that, you know, he was not, that he was fine. I'm sorry, if your ankle is hurting, if your ankle is hurting, you telling me you're going to be jumping around, tell me, if, Ryan, if your ankle hurting right now, are you going to be able to jump up and down? Not not, not to the level that he was jumping around. It, it, not to exactly. that level. Exactly. My point. And that's what I'm saying. I don't buy the I'm hurt thing. I'm sorry, what? I, 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 you know, I, I broke my ankle in like four different places 24 years ago, and I can tell you I could walk on it. I could walk on it. Uh, I could do some things on it before they went and got x-rays. Um, before they went and got x-rays. Uh, but I will tell you this. Uh, in terms of jumping, I probably couldn't jump. But then I was a, little, I was a kid. You know, I was a kid. And um, the thing is, the NFL... If if, it, if those MRIs come out and they prove that Antonio Brown is telling the truth, it's going to be a day of it's a day of reckoning for how the NFL coaches treat their players. I truly believe that this is going to be a day of reckoning because I feel like these players 
these team doctors, they don't really give a fuck about those players. Now, I do believe, I don't, I'm like, like I say, I'm just waiting on the MRIs. If those MRIs, if they, if they show the MRIs of Antonio Brown and they say, oh yeah, uh, we sent, they, they were like, they sent him to New York. They made appointments for him to go to New York with these doctors. And he didn't go to those, to those appointments. Would that be a way of saying that they trust, that he doesn't trust the doctors that the team got for him? Or does he want to get doctors on his own? Because I'll say this, Stacey. Drew Brees went to a He went somewhere else. Um, but there was a lot of players, like a lot of less talented players that can't do those things. They have to rely on those team doctors. And here in New Orleans with the Saints, Oshner, they, uh, there was a guy named Delvin Bro. They fired two doctors because they misdiagnosed an injury of his. Like these team doctors do not give a fuck about about these players. All they want is those players to be healthy enough to play so they can make those teams money. That's really what it is. And that's really what it boils down to. Well, I, like I said, that I am interested to see what the MRI is saying, but I think if the uh, Tampa Bay did ignore this, then basically shame on them for doing that because that shit ain't cool. Um, but I'm still skeptical because, like I said, if your ankle is hurting, you know, if your ankle is hurting, I don't see you jumping up and down. I mean, if you even with a sprained ankle. And like I said, if you're not playing, then why don't you sit out? Why don't you say, I don't feel like playing? You took the trip to New York. Then you, and then, like I said, in Arians, I'm sure they're tired of his shit too. And, I, and I, to me, he should have been cut. I agree a few weeks ago when all that shit came out about his COVID call. They should have cut his ass then because he lied and he, like I said, he putting the team in jeopardy with some shit. So he should have been cut then. But them doing all this stuff, trying to keep him on the team, they getting exactly if they if they did that, they didn't. They getting to me exactly what they deserve. If uh, like I said with him, because who are they gonna talk to now? Because Chris girl, Chris Goodwin is gone. All you have basically is Gronk, and that's it. They in trouble now. They, like I said, here's the thing that I've missed the this on the This is the thing that I've missed on the guys The Buccaneers wanted a service. They got the service. And they're gonna be set up for failure long after Tom Brady retires. I truly believe it. I don't see them sustaining this level of success for the next five years. I truly believe that they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, what they're gonna end up doing, I'm not kidding here. They're gonna end up just like the Denver Broncos after uh, Peyton Manning left. Because the most important uh, position is the quarterback. So if Tom Brady retires, you're gonna, you better hit, you better hit it big on a quarterback in the draft or in free agency. Because if you don't, you'll be just like the Denver Broncos or the Miami Dolphins after Dan Marino left. 
the Miami Dolphins has never recovered from Dan Marino leaving, and it's a pitiful shame that they never, you know, they had, you know, and it's always the story is that the urban, not even urban legend, the truth is that had Drew Brees been healthy, he'd been a Dolphin. Nick Saban would have stayed. The whole franchise has not been the same since Dan Marino retired, and they never, and I never understood them not preparing for Marino's retirement. I don't understand. You know, I I will give the Patriots credit. They prepared themselves at least a year or two later with with getting, you know, Matt Jones. They were out of the playoffs for a year, but they bought in Cam Newton last year, and they were prepared for Tom Brady to leave. And now when Cam didn't succeed, they bought in Matt Jones. That's how good organizations run. I mean, even the Dallas Cowboys got it right. They knew Tony Romo kept on having big issues. But they, they drafted Dak Prescott, not high, but they drafted him. And once Romo got hurt, Dak moved in and the Cowboys made the playoffs. So, you know, they they uh, have been somewhat successful with Dak Prescott. So, you know, make make it make sense to me that a lot of these teams aren't prepared for what the future brings. But anyway, back to Antonio, I just, with him in that situation, I think that they, uh, I think that the organization should have cut him weeks ago. And like, like we've been talking about, because he's talented and because of who he is, they kept him on the team. And he, they continue to put up with his shit. And now they're paying yeah, for it. Cause now they, the it's like, now you're paying for it. You're paying for it now. I mean, you're basically paying for it. Like the, the thing is, Having it, I'll give you an example. Uh, Junior Gillette here in New Orleans. Back in 2013, you could not go anywhere in New Orleans. Like, he was something of a folk hero without seeing uh, a shade Gillette shirt. He was a folk hero. As soon as he got that big contract, it changed him. It changed who he was. And the same thing you saw with Antonio Brown. When Antonio Brown got that big contract, it was like, fuck me, fuck, I mean, not fuck me, but fuck you, I'm gonna get mine, and everyone else is uh, dispensable. And I think back to when the Steelers played the Saints, and I thought that, I thought that game right there basically broke, I wouldn't say it broke the, I think that game to me broke the franchise. The Steelers franchise. Juju Schuster fumbles the ball um, in a crucial fourth quarter uh, drive. Uh, the Saints recover it, and the Saints end up winning the game. Steelers end up missing the playoffs. Antonio Brown tweets to a fan saying that this boy fumbled the, the, uh, the postseason. Now, you basically threw your own wife, your own teammate under the bus to a fan. A guy who basically looks up to you, who was talking to you about how can he how can you how can he get better. It's like I can understand and completely understand why people are quote unquote very hesitant to be on his side. I can completely understand that. A lot of people are like, well, we don't slander Antonio Brown over here. Well, when you have a history of being an, a, a, a 
trash person, when you have a history of being a trash person, well, that reputation sticks with you. That doesn't mean that he deserved to get treated. If this is true, that doesn't mean he didn't, he didn't deserve to get treated like this. And Bruce Aarons could have handled this a whole lot better. A whole lot better. And I think he really failed in handling this better. Uh, you just, you know, you basically, in so many words, um, in so many words, you, you poorly handled this. You're the coach. You're supposed to limit the distractions. And he did not do that. Well, I like I said that I would think, and that's all I'm going by, from what I've known or heard about Bruce Arians, that he's the decent person and that he wouldn't do this kind of stuff. So I'm holding judgment on Antonio Brown's situation until I see the uh, see the uh, about the autopsy, <laughs> see the MRI, and right. uh, and hear from see because I'm interested because like I said, he has lied before. That's why I'm not like fully buying into this yet until I see. Because it, it, it could have been a bunch of lies, and I'm I'm interested to see. And then I'm, I'm interested to see what the NFL is going to say about this. Yeah, my NFL, thing is, they're probably the NFLPA is investigating it, uh, is looking into this. Because they talked about the, like this painkiller that could have seriously fucked him up. They were talking about that. So they're now looking into that. The NFLPA, they're looking into this. So I, it's going to be, the more stuff comes out, you know, I like the stuff about the OnlyFans girl. That's secondary. That's secondary. Um, because they're saying that he might have given someone COVID. I don't know. That's a story for another day. But um, it's gonna be very interesting to see what the NFLPA says. Uh, without with with all of this, and what their investigation is gonna look like. So now we shift over. To January 6th and Stacy I, I would say this um, my, my friend Larry Marley who is he I would say he's kind of like a Republican okay we were talking about um, about January 6th today and we talked about how you know we we make a cottage living of, of shitting on the burners and I said, you know, the thing about January 6th, I was more, I was not surprised that that shit happened, Stacey. And the reason why I wasn't surprised is because you have a big baby that could not accept the fact that he lost. And had he had that happened in 2006, I think he would have did the same thing in 2016. That's just how crazy that dude is. The one thing I, me and my, uh, my friend Larry, we talked about this. We talked about the burners quite often. A few days before, they were in Washington, D.C., trying to force the vote to not vote Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. They were trying to force the vote. And I thought, and I thought about that when my friend Larry said, you know, Trumpers 
and burners are basically the same people because they have majority white followings. They have their mascots, Candace Owens for, for the Trumpsters, Riri Joy for the burners. And the reason why they hate each other so much is because they see themselves so much in them. Because the thing that people don't realize, the stop the, 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 the whole stop the steal thing originated from the burners. When Hillary got nominated for president, they thought it was, they, they assumed it was rigged. They assumed uh, it was rigged. They started saying that this was stolen by superdelegates. And some of those same people saw themselves in those people that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And the thing about it is that had that been a, a bunch of black folks, that would have been the biggest mass casualty, one of the biggest uh, mass casualties in American history. And I, I think what Joe, what President Biden said today was a bone on what needed to be said. But the thing is, we are, the, the, the media and everybody else is allowing the stupids to run the asylum. And most of the people who are mostly sane, they, they, don't want this to happen and there are people you know you have the uh the great value lacy shaber and um mtg that don't want that don't want to accept the fact that this happened or they want to um believe that this was uh something that was created by leftists and why the leftists are angry well congratulate well here's the thing you guys are nothing more than grifters you're no damn different than cory bush no damn different than Jamal Bowman. That's basically what it is. It's basically a mirror image of it's basically a mirror image of each other. That's why I think of when I think of that stuff that happened on January 6th, I think about the burners and I think about how they tried that same bullshit. But the only reason why it didn't get out the way it did was they didn't have a burn they didn't have Bernie Bernie Sanders didn't um Bernie Sanders didn't have that kind of pull that the former guy did. You know, I like I said that this day with everything is it, it's it's a solemn day. Um with everything that's going on in the world today, just watching what happened and there are still people with as I said earlier on my Twitter timeline, what's disturbing to me is there are still people who are willing to give away basically their rights or at least part of their rights, so we won't have ours. That's the most scary thing, that there are people who are willing to let Donald Trump be a dictator yeah. or an authoritarian president so they can keep us, meaning minorities, in our place. Because that's what the shit is about. It's, keep, it's just like, like watching the Emmett Till thing right now. It's about keeping us in our place. Absolutely. He got, Emmett Till got out of line He's a 14-year-old from Chicago. He don't know no better. He did something wrong, so we got to teach the niggas a lesson. Well, how do we teach him a lesson? Oh, We're going to kill this young boy and, and hold him as an example. This is what they did on 
uh, January 6th of last year. They were going to teach the teach Nancy Pelosi and and Mike Pence and all of them a lesson. You don't go against us. You don't go against Donald Trump. We're going to go in here and we're going to kill you. And and like I said, and we don't acknowledge it enough that the, a black man saved all those people. Understand? He took his own life into his hands. Had he let them go and do it as a yeah, it would have been yeah, it would have been a tragedy. Been chaos. People, it was. I mean, we got seven people dead. It would have been more. And it's scary to me that, like I said, that we live in a country and people say, I'm so divided. Now, this the country has always been. It's just Trump's presidency brought Trump the clock. Trump amplified, he amplified all of that. He, he did. Amplified. He, he amplified. amplified. These, these people are still angry you. that Barack Obama was president for two terms. So this is their way of getting back at us. They're going to take back their country from us, meaning minorities. They're going to take it back from us. So how are we going to do that? We're going to sit there and deny. We're going to make Donald Trump. A and Donald Trump is an idiot. And I said this earlier. He was terrible. You know, he, he was, I mean, he was never, this, this was a terrible plan. And I said, they were going to kill him or get him. One way or the other, he wasn't going to make it long. Either the military was going to take his ass out by just, you know, dragging him out of the office. Or they were going to kill him. This was not going to be a thing. I don't know what made them think that it was going to last. If the military on your ain't on your side, you're basically fucked, and that's what Donald Trump did. And I said the military, at least the top heads of the military, was not going to fall in line with this shit. You know, no, they, you can they, bring they, all the. They were gonna. They were gonna. They were gonna. They were not gonna fall in line with that shit. They, they weren't. weren't, and that's and that's why I was telling somebody that. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of racism and prejudice goes on in the military, but the top brass is in the military. They are God and country. They were not going to sit there and let this fool run this country. They would have took his ass out. This would have lasted maybe not even a day. They would have definitely, and I think that was Trump. Trump honestly thought that the military was going to be at his disposal and they were going to do what he said to do. And he, the the dumbass didn't realize Nancy Pelosi was going to be president. So you can deny Joe Biden being president. You still ain't president because it's going to be Nancy Pelosi. And the thing about it, like I said, the thing about it is that some of these people who, and and the thing, I I don't really like, look, people hate the message, but they don't hate the message. They hate the messenger, but they don't hate the message. You get what I'm saying? Like you got people that didn't, they didn't like the messenger. They didn't like the, they didn't like the messenger. They love the message, but they didn't like the message. I mean, they didn't like the messenger, but they liked the message. And that's what it was with some people uh, that we know, some white folks that we know. I know for a fact, I unfriended several white folks that I knew. Because you can't sit here and say, you invite me to a barbecue and then you're going to sit here and say, well, Obama's face scares me. And I say, okay, you know what? I'm a black man. If his face scares you, I scare you. Right. So the thing I look at with this, and I also, this is the thing that I get angry about. It's not, I don't like, look, white folks, white people are white people. We know this. I get more angry at the black folks that always want to sit and say, well, they both the same. Uh, Biden, 
you know, we still got the pandemic um, going on and, and all this other shit. And I'm like, okay, you guys get mad. You guys were like, well, we missed the former guy on Twitter. We knew he, you know, he was a comedian and stuff. But in the back of the in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he didn't, he didn't give a shit about you. Like he one time I told you this story. He one time, um, why was where was it? He was in Lake Charles, and they he was throwing he was asking people he was signing people autographs. Signing autographs, autographs from people. And I'm like, you wanted that again? Why? And 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 and, and it's like with the with the um with the uh with the burn with the burners with the AOCs and stuff, they voted, they voted, get this, they voted to not add additional funding for um uh for ca- for capital security and then you know the squad and you know the squad and I'll shut up and let you talk the squad basically blamed the terror attack on economic concerns those people drive $100,000 trucks those people could afford to go to Washington DC and pull off that shit that's not a cheap trip that's not a cheap trip. So no, I, it wasn't it wasn't an economic it was not economic concern. It was racism. It was them throwing a temper tantrum like big fucking babies. I you know, the thing about it is that uh, you know, just it, it just, like I said, it's disturbing to me this is the country we live in, and, it's, and then the Republican Party basically, and all this was going on today with the memorial and everything else. Two people showed up from the Republican Party. They are just as complicit in this as anybody. To me, they are no better than these white men who took Emmett Till to kill him. They are complicit. They sat there and 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 allowed this to happen. And when I hear people complain about Merrick Garland, I said, Do y'all realize? how many people might be involved in this shit? Because y'all want this to be rushed. Y'all want to get Trump. Oh, no, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot of them. It's going to be a lot of people that are involved Lauren in this Bobert, shit. It's going to be a lot of them. Bobert, I mean, and I want to get Trump. It's going to be investigated. The New, York State, the New York State is already on Trump's ass. They already on Trump's ass. Um, but in terms of like in Washington, D.C., Oh, it's going to get really tough for Lauren Bobert. It's going to get really tough. It's going to get really tough. And it's going to be very soon. Very soon. Um, so I, I now, that's what I said. That, that, that's what I'm saying about the whole situation. And I saw uh, Bob Whitworth on The View this morning, and he was talking about he didn't think that the DOJ was going to do anything. And I said, I find that hard to believe that he's he's basically trying to 
play it down and say, oh, you know, oh, well, this, they won't arrest him. I'm like, I don't even know if the DOJ will get a chance to get to him because I believe Trish James will get to him. Trish James going to get his ass. The state of New York is going to get, he's not going to get away with this shit. Trish James is going to get to his ass before the DOJ gets him. And I, and I think the main thing that I think that the, the committee and I think the DOJ probably wants to, they may not arrest him for this. But I think the whole point, if they don't arrest him, is to keep him from running in 2024. And I think there's some kind of amendment or some kind of law in the Constitution where if you're brought up on charges or on a crime, you can't run for president in 2024. So he can't. And I think that might be the ultimate goal. And what do you think will hurt Trump more? You know, going to jail. Well, I won't say hurt more, but what hurt equally to him. Either going to jail or not being able to be in a spotlight that he craves so much. Him not being able to run would probably kill him. And I think that I, I, I think, to the point. I think my theory is I don't, I don't believe that he's going to even live that long. I still don't think he's going to live that long. I don't know why I think that, but I still don't think he's going to live that long. Because, you know, COVID probably nearly killed his ass. and I mean, it nearly killed his ass. And yeah. I would not be surprised if that, if that, if that, if, uh, if I would not be surprised if he doesn't make it that long. Because I mean, <clears throat> he's 70, he's 76, 75 years old. No, he's 75 years old. And I feel like, you know, I don't think he has that much time left. I really don't. But well, I, I I hope he doesn't. I'm not well, now. I, I I take that back. I've said before. I really don't want. I've said I, I I say about dying, but I take that back. I'll say this: I want him to live long enough. I want him to live like I want him to live like George Wallace. I want him to suffer. George Wallace suffered to his damn dying breath. So I'm hoping that happens to Donald Trump. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, hell, Ross Barnett lived till he was like 80, I think. The guy, mm-hmm. the guy that was governor of Mississippi, I think he Mississippi. lived until he was like eight. I think he lived until he was like 80. And so I think we I now, somewhere where he never, he he never had any regrets about what he did either. So you know, maybe yeah, anyway. yeah, he uh he can always burn. I, and I just googled it. Yes, I I was right. Uh, he lived. He actually lived until he was eight. He died at 89 years old. He was 89 when he uh, when he died, and I would say this: uh, Ross Barnett. Like, if you look at a photo of him, he looked like that kind of guy that would be like, "Barnett, my thing got place. My thing got place." And I mean, his damn dad was a damn Confederate veteran, and all these other things. So, we moving right along. Georgia, Alabama, the rematch. Um, I don't like I like beating Cincinnati. That was an anomaly. I mean, it that was an anomaly. I mean, Cincinnati wasn't it. it what I'm not gonna sit here and say Cincinnati didn't deserve to be there. Cincinnati deserved to be in that position, but I think that was just an appetizer for the main event for Alabama. What, what would you say about that? Uh. <laughs> Deep down, I knew Alabama was going to win. I, I, you know, 
I figured they were going to run it down their throats because they're saying that the defense, I think it's the 3-5-3 that they run, was going to allow Alabama to just run it. And that's they did the smart thing because they could have – people are saying, oh, you know, and I know Travis Kelsey, who I didn't know with the Cincinnati, uh, opened his mouth. It's like, yeah, you know, I wasn't that impressed. Dude, they lost by 21 points. <laughs> Your team got basically dominated. Alabama just – Realized, I mean, they took what the defense gave them. I mean, why why throw it? You know, we didn't have to throw it 50 times. Where you can get the ball off, run it down their throats, and make them play big boy football, and they couldn't. Their offense couldn't do shit. They got totally and completely wiped out. And when people talk about wanting to expand the playoff, I'm like Nick Saban, and Nick Saban has been warning people when they start making all these changes. It only benefits the large teams. It been, these rule changes have not hurt Alabama. It has benefited them. No. I mean, if you look and at if you look at all the teams that have won a, a national title, like a national title during the BCS era and during its college football playoff era, um, it's Ohio State. I think it's Ohio State, Alabama, and LSU. Like those are the teams that have won won. Uh, championships in both the BCS era and the college football playoff era. And Nick Saban is actually right about this. I mean, if you put eight teams in there, those eight teams, not most of those eight teams are not going to come from G5 conferences. You know, they're not. You know, let's look at the AP poll for um, for football. Let's just look at that, for example. Uh, look at that, for example. Let's say we had a, a, an eight-game, an eight-team playoff this year. You would have Alabama going up against Ole Miss, Michigan against Ohio State, Georgia against Baylor, Cincinnati against Notre Dame. That would have been that would make for compelling, for compelling, um, for compelling football. But then, what if we went to a twelve, like a twelve, um, a, a twelve-team playoff? The first four teams would get by. It's like Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, and Cincinnati. Then you have Notre Dame against BYU, Baylor against Michigan State, Ohio State against Utah, Ole Miss against Oklahoma State. It would be just like the the SEC tournament. Am I right or wrong? Oh, oh, exactly. That's what I'm saying is these idiots want to – you know, want to add all these different teams, it's going to be the same. Like you say, it's just going to be more SEC teams added. It's going to be, it's going to be what, uh, it would be Alabama, Georgia. It would be, uh, who fit, uh, Ole Miss. it would be Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss was one of the teams that finished the top 10. <laughs> I mean, it's going, and then they expanded the 12, I think Kentucky would get in. So, I mean, you're talking about four or five SEC teams that have to feel with the field, even though they're talking about, well, we're going to have, you know, at large bids. That's going to go to an SEC team. And yeah, I mean, and then more, you're going to oh, put Ohio State in, like you said, somebody like Ohio State gets in, Oklahoma gets in. So, the thing that I've asked other people, when they say about about these playoffs, do you want fairness or do you want the four best teams? Because this is not about politics. This is about seeing the four team, the four best teams in the country play each other. Fairness shouldn't play in it. There are plenty of teams that have finished undefeated in years, but as Cincinnati proven, they weren't up to the task. They lost to Georgia last year. You know, and Alabama crushed them. And they barely lost to Georgia. And people thought, well, they barely lost to Georgia. They'll play well against Alabama. Alabama's a different breed. They crushed them. 
So we're gonna and people say, well, it'll be a lot more games and stuff, but it's gonna be the same outcome. So you're gonna see it's just like when I hear people talk about they want this to be basically being it's just gonna be like the same outcome because it's not like it's not like the reason why the reason why people like March Madness, the reason why people like March Madness is because you get those kind of upsets. You do not get those upsets in college football. Maybe in the regular season you get a you know, a Texas A and M beating Alabama or Ole Miss beating Alabama back Back in 2014, you get some some uh champ, you know, some wins like some something like that here and there, but at the same time, it's very, it's very um, it's not very often you get those kind of uh, those kind of uh uh of uh, 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 well, I was gonna say those kind of uh, upsets in in uh in college football i mean in basketball in college basketball with the ncaa tournament you know an oral roberts can beat an arkansas uh a a butler can beat a louisville or a a gonzaga can beat a florida you know those things can happen um those things can definitely happen in college basketball but in terms of in terms of, of college football it's not that way because college football is mainly the SEC and the Big Ten. And third down the cherry picker line is probably the Big 12. I, I, the ACC is just wine and cheese. It's caviar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean it's, basically, it's, basically, it's basically Clemson and the Stooges. It's, it's basically Clemson and the Stooges. And, and Clemson is about to fall off a pedestal now. They've fallen off. I mean, Clemson, like I say, Clemson, um, the most, the most, the most surprising thing, and I, I was not really surprising, but Clemson, uh, Dabo Sweeney, I think is two or three wins away from passing Frank Howard for the all-time wins, for the all-time win record in Clemson history. Which it's hard to imagine because every year, you know, up until 2012, people just thought of Clemson as the team that always choked. And I, you know, I don't like Davo Sweeney. I really don't. But you can't deny the fact that he is probably the best coach Clemson's ever had. You know, even better than Danny Ford. Danny Ford, I thought was, Danny Ford got fucking ran out of Clemson. You know, and he was an Alabama graduate. You know, it's kind of amazing. I, that the I think three... it won't be long before it happens to Dabo. I think, and I've said this before, and you've probably seen this, that good old boy shit don't work no more. That no. shit now, especially after what happened to George Floyd, that shit ain't working. You, If you're not and then sitting up here saying that you don't believe players should get played, that's just going to turn still collecting a lot them of checks. Off. He's still collecting yeah. checks. I mean, you're still collecting you them checks. I mean, I'm Exactly. You're you're a fucking millionaire, and you're telling these young kids, "Well, I don't believe you should get paid." What kind of shit is that? That you're telling kids, "I don't think you should be getting paid," and then also you're not believing in what they believe in. And, that and it's like ends, it's not gonna. It's like I think with Coach O, like Coach O, that was different. Like Coach O, I just shook my head at that shit because I wish he had been like out in front. 
you know, Will Wade, I know a lot of people don't like Will Wade, but Will Wade was actually out in front with the LSU basketball team. He actually handled it a little bit better than Coach O. Um, the thing is with Dabo, it's just like I told you, he always came off to me as a guy that was like Ned Flanders. He was like kind of like Ned Flanders. Like Ned Flanders would be the most annoying ass neighbor ever because he he'll be the first person to throw his um he'll be the first person to um shit on you for your, how you raise your kids but your damn kid but his kids can't have sugar his kids can't do can't watch tv you know certain television networks and all those things so People like Dabo Sweeney and Ned Flanders are people I do not trust. I think Dabo Sweeney's type of coaching, and I, and I think Coach O too. Now I won't say type of coaching; I say type of personalities is dying out in college football because that shit doesn't work. People, especially with young black kids, that shit does not work. I mean, you can't sit up there and support Trump and not supporting kids getting paid and expect young black men to follow you into battle every weekend and i firmly believe that's what happened at lsu is that i think i think the thing I i'm think gonna say ob who he both with old sitting up here supporting trump even if he wasn't like a loud as um as Dabo was and his support to a certain extent and uh, not supporting his players for Black Lives Matters. It, I mean, we all know it hurt him. It hurt. It hurt him. A it, lot of those players. It, 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 a lot of those players. A lot of those players opted out. Yeah, they opted out because, of this. And then I think he just didn't know. I, I'll put it this way: he just did not know how to handle success. Because the one thing, the one thing is about this: he endorsed. Um, our governor is a Democrat here in Louisiana and you know uh old Jerron uh is an independent he apparently is an independent and the thing about it was when he went on Fox News I knew what they were going to do with that clip that Fox News was going what they were going to do with that clip because you know how everybody is they take a little small piece of a clip and they're going to make it and they're going to spin it um, any way they want. If I'm someone in the SID, uh, SID uh, sports information department at LSU, I'm telling Coach O, do not go on Fox News. That's the last place you want to go on. And he just didn't listen. He just did not know how to handle the he was arrogant. He was very arrogant. And that's what, to me, speaking from an Alabama fan's perspective, turned me off of him as a coach was his arrogance. He talked all that shit in Tuscaloosa the year that y'all beat us and, and then got monkey stomped the following year. And uh, then he, after, he got, after y'all got beat this year, he still was talking shit. It's like, dude, you know, you're basically talking about a moral victory. That you played Alabama close and all that, you still lost the game. Doesn't matter. Loss is a loss. And not matter if you lost by 100 points or one point, you still lost. And his arrogance was caught up to him. And like you said, going on Fox News with everything that's going on in the world, he's just dumb as hell. Never would have done it. He should have just declined and said no and went out there and supported his players. And I firmly believe 
that had he supported his players, you know, it would have been a different year, I think. And he probably would still be, you know, he still would be coaching because I don't think he's a horrible coach. I think he bought in a lot yeah, of forces. Yeah, he, he was not, like I always explain to people, he wasn't like at Ole Miss, the reason why he didn't succeed at Ole Miss, and I explain this to you, Oxford, Mississippi is a very weird place. It's basically, it's basically like Collierville, Tennessee, uh, which is a suburb of Memphis. It's basically, that's what uh, Oxford, Mississippi is. And they were never going to, they were never warm to a guy like Coach O coaching their team. They were never warm to that. And I always believed the reason why they embrace Lane Kiffin now is because Lane Kiffin fits their culture. The, re- the thing about Hugh Freeze, the thing about Hugh Freeze, um, I've, he- I've heard stories from people in Oxford. They, a lot of people did not like Will, uh, Hugh Freeze in Oxford because he was very arrogant and he was uh, very arrogant and he just thought his shit didn't stink and a lot of people there in Oxford also they also loved him some Andy Kennedy like they they like the, the story I got from a guy in Oxford he was like it broke uh, Ross Bjork's heart that he had to fire Andy Kennedy he hated Hugh Freeze. And Hugh Freeze is kind of like the same, in the same vein as uh, Davo Sweeney. They're both phonies. That's why he fits. He's at the right, he's at the right school. He's at the right school, Liberty. He's at the right fucking school. Because um, the school that he um, coached at in Memphis they had to get, they basically had to get, they basically got sued because they didn't have any black kids in the school. It was created, uh, Briarcrest Academy was a segregation academy. And they were told, they were basically court ordered to admit black kids into the school. And even to this day, it's maybe 2% black. So Hugh Freeze That's going ridiculous. somewhere. Uh, Hugh Freeze going to Liberty University is not surprising. Well, I think they both deserve each other. He's a he's a jackass, and they're jackass school. So you know, they deserve each other. Yeah, it's like Definitely like that's the thing. That's the thing. Like they literally had to. Uh, they literally had to. Uh, um, they literally had to. They literally had to. Like I, I'm dead serious. They literally had to sue. Um, they literally had to sue. The, the, they had to literally get a court order to allow. Um, uh, black students into the school, and even now, like I say, even to this day, it's like ninety-seven percent white. Makes me feel very uncomfortable going there. It would, like I, I like I said, I, I've been out to Briarcrest, um, Briarcrest, um, Briarcrest Christian School. I've been out there for a soccer game, and it, it is a very, it's a very weird ass school. 
really it. I mean, I mean, it sounds like to me like the school here in Birmingham called Mountain Brook, and Mountain Brook High School was was like I said, the very upper crust of the upper crust went to Mountain Brook. Like the kid that you had playing basketball for Trendon Walford, I can't remember. He went to Mountain Brook, and he's probably one of the few black kids that was at that school. <laughs> so, because it's very, Mountain Brook is very hotty toddy, and well, that's an old miss saying, but it was, it was very upper crest. And I remember how, where I went to school, high school at, it was predominantly white, but we had more black kids there than at Mountain Brook. They bust us in, you know, so we even had more black kids at the school. So at the time, when I was in high school back a long time ago, children, um, back in the 90s, they bust, they bust the black kids in <laughs> to make the school, you know, uh, uh, try to make it a little bit more about And Mountain Brook, we were on the border with um, uh, where I was, was called Irondale, Alabama, which Irondale is basically a suburb of Birmingham, and we're on the on the edge of Mountain Brook, and they cut it off just at a certain point where the black kids, a lot of black kids lived in Irondale, and they districted it off just enough to keep us out of that, keep us out of Mountain Brook. And that school was predominantly white for and a long a time. They might have a few black people there now, but not money. A lot of that shit, a lot of that shit was done by design. You know, a lot of these segregation accounts were done by design. And as I say, as much as I love Andy Kennedy as a as a head coach, he went to a, a, a segregation academy in Louisville, Mississippi. But when you're a kid, you really don't understand those things. Like you just go there because your parents make you go there. You know, I would think right. that people who went to those segregation academies, they evolved as people. But those segregation academies still exist. Um, they still exist. That's the thing that people don't realize. They still exist. Like one of my former friends teaches at, um, at the segregation academy. And I would think, and I was like, okay, you went to a school, a college with black kids. You went to a, a school with, to a college with black kids and all these other things. And you still teach at a segregation academy. But I would hope that you evolved as a person, uh, evolved as a person in terms of understanding that this is not right. But some people, they can't, some people aren't like that. Some people aren't like that. Well, it's just ridiculous in this day and age that we still have open segregation going on. I remember in Gardendale, which is like another suburb of Birmingham, tried to cut, cut, uh, tried to redistrict their school situation so black kids wouldn't get in there. And it's ridiculous how we're doing this. It's like, they shouldn't be able to do that. If a kid lives in your neighborhood and they're able to go to your school, guess what? They should be able to go to your school. But we, I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember, at my same high school when I was a senior, I believe. And then, like I said, we, we had this kid that came in from another school and he got into a drive-by shooting. And at that point on, they cut off the kids that came from other parts of the city. They, they cut and most of the kids came from Bessemer, Alabama, which is about probably about 30 minutes away from our, from our high school. 
they could have went to high school out there and dressed her. And moral of the story is, this is why Hoover, if you ever heard of Hoover High School, this is why yeah, they're state what. champs damn near every year now in football because, yeah, they, they, they took in Bessemer. They basically took in the kids that my high school was getting. When when that drive-by shooting came, they cut off those black kids from ever coming to Shades Valley, that's the name of my school, from ever coming to Shades Valley again. They they made certain black kids from that district from that point on. And, uh, and when they did that, it screwed up everything. It screwed up. We were used to be dominant power in football. We haven't been a dominant power in football and probably since I was in high school. And that was 30 years ago. Well, 31 years ago coming up now. And we used to be good. And and they did all of this basically to appease the black parents because of one kid. One kid who got shot at, black kid, by the way, of course. But he was a badass. This had nothing to do with the rest of the black kids that went there. This was just an asshole who went to school there with us who was about to get shot. And I guess the white parents got scared. But you know, just like I said, just sitting there watching the Emma Till stuff tonight, just it just disturbs. It just is I needed to watch it definitely, but it's still disturbing to sit there and know that this happened. Like I said, sixty-six years ago. My aunt was born in nineteen fifty-five. One of my aunts. Born like, the same my, year that Emma <laughs> Till was killed. My mom was born in nineteen fifty seven. And then my dad was born in nineteen fifty eight. When James Meredith integrated Ole Miss, my mom was five years old. My dad was four years old. And when Birmingham happened, the bomb, when the bombing happened in Birmingham, my mom was six years old. So the first twelve years, the first twelve years of my mom's life, she saw the Civil Rights Act. The Civil Rights Act. She saw the, um, the Civil Rights Act happen. You also had um, the bombing in Birmingham. Um, James Meredith, James Meredith, Mega Evers, and Ruby Bridges. And people act like, well, this happened like 100 years ago. No, no, this happened less than 70 years ago. And the thing yeah. is, I, I like to say this. Um, we talk about um, my friend Candace. Friend Candace is a white woman. She's married to a black guy, a guy named Andrew. Guy looks just like fucking Rashawn Patterson. Like you remember, you know who Rashawn Rashawn Patterson is, the, the singer. He looks just like the guy, like skinny and everything, got the big ears and everything. Well, <laughs> well, here's what. I remember she said something about, I think they were getting an engagement ring or something. And it was at one of the stores here in New Orleans, in downtown New Orleans. And they gave, would give her dirty looks because she was married to a black man or was about to be married to a black man. And I think about Emmett Till. And I think about that, what she, because I remember she talked, she talked about and I think about how in 1955 she would have been he would have been he would have been lynched for being married or even pursuing a white woman. Lou Rawls was married to a white woman 
And the story goes that Lou Rawls' wife used to have to paint her face black, so they would not catch, so they would not try to assume, would not try to send Lou Rawls to jail. And here's a guy who is one of the greatest singers of our gen- in, in history. He couldn't marry. He couldn't actually go out in the open and be married to a white woman, because if he was out in the open with a white woman, he would go to jail. That's what you see with Emmett, what you saw with Emmett Till. And it was more of this, you fucked with a white, with a, a, with, with a, 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 with someone that was pure as snow. We don't want you dirtying up her mind. And we well, don't want I'm, you dirtying up her thoughts. But it's, it's fear the black penis. I mean, it, it's quite obvious that's what it is. And I kind of chuckle to myself these days seeing all these black men with these white women and these idiots who killed Emmett Till actually thought, well, they're going to teach those blackies a lesson. We're going to teach them. You ain't do shit. You're not going to stop people from doing what they want to do. But, you know, the Loving case, Loving versus Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that was in the late sixties. That was sixty-seven. So interracial marriage has just only been legal for fifty-four years this year. That's it. Fifty-five. 55. 55. 55. 55 years. People just like I said that that case was in sixty-six or sixty-seven. They came and got him out the bed. I mean, got them. They were in Virginia. He was married illegally. They had to. That's why they moved to Maryland because technically they were married illegally and they couldn't be an interracial couple. They had to fight that shit. And they were a poor, you know, they, they weren't minding their own business. They weren't bothering anybody. They just fell fell in love with each other. I mean, what I read, the, they really were in love. The thing they were country folk. Like you, the thing is, you saw that with the DeBarge family. Like what people don't know, the DeBarge family, like El DeBarge, they their daddy was white, but he was an asshole. But he was a fucking asshole. So that's different. That's a different story right there. But the thing is, people people thought that that Emmett Till thing was going to teach teach black folks a lesson. It was gonna keep us. That's exactly what it was. It was gonna. It was a. It was talking. He was talking young black kids in the state line. It was the same thing that you saw with January sixth. It was mainly a way to say, okay, you took this away from us. We're gonna show you. Then the thing is, Ashley Babbitt, rest in piss. You know, rest in fucking piss. By the way. Uh, she fucked around and found out. Like, she fucked around mm-hmm. and found out. So, you know, last year was more the fuck around and find out thing. You know, Derek Chauvin wasn't able, Derek Chauvin wasn't able to go to Walgreens and pick up groceries today. I was. What about you? I, I, that's all I did. <laughs> I was like, I mean, what like, we having but, for dinner and moved on with my life. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like now, it's like now, it's like now we're on this path of, I wouldn't say path back to normalcy, but it's like you're fucking around and you're finding out. Like, that's the thing that, that's the thing about this year in the last, you know, 13 months. It's like, well, the last 13 months, you fuck around, you find out. Because yeah, we're almost at the, we're almost at the one year anniversary of when the former guy got his Twitter uh, suspended. Then the guy tried to create burner accounts. 
You really needed Twitter that bad? I think, I mean, I think that to me, that was the, you know, just like with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, when they don't have a voice, they don't have the attention, they are fading away into oblivion. And that's exactly what's happening, happening to Trump. I mean, people can say, well, he's going to, he'll run for president. They want him. I don't, like I said, I think that to me, in my opinion, is that what will be equal to death for him is not being able to run in 2024. And I think that's the ultimate goal. It may not, I believe that Trish James is going to get him. I think if people want him to be arrested, then I believe Trish James is going to handle her business in New York. But the ultimate thing to happen to, that could happen to Donald Trump is if he was able never to run for president again, he'd have no influence. He has no influence. There's no reason to kiss his behind because you can't run for president because he wants to run so badly but if I think if Cheney and these other people and he fuck with the wrong political family when it comes to the Cheneys, they brutal. Fuck with the wrong folks. But if they have his way, he will never be president ever in our lifetime again. Like you say, he'll be dead. And the thing I think when I think about like this rehabilitating of of the Cheney family, it's like they created this monster. Like everything that happened in the years leading up to the former God, this was something that was created by Reagan, the Bushes, everybody in that damn, in the Republican Party. So, oh, no doubt. And, and so, like I said, I always quote what my cousin Brian said, people hated the messenger. They didn't, they loved the message. They hated the oh. messenger, but they loved the message. They love the message. And oh yeah, I, I mean, I had a friend tell me that he voted for. He told me he voted for uh, Trump. He knew Trump was an idiot. He knew Trump was an idiot. Pretty much said, well, if he stayed off Twitter, but you know why he voted for him because he was pro life. That that was his basically his answer to me. He knew Trump was an if idiot. he was pro life. I always tell people this: if he was fucking pro life. If he was pro-life, Stacey, 200,000, 300,000 people would not have needlessly died when they Right. Lived. So him being pro-life is bullshit. You know, him being pro-life is bullshit. You know what he, I do commend him on? I do commend him on this. He exposed how rotten that damn, uh, the GOP is. He exposed it. Oh yeah. You know, it, yeah. again, they loved the they didn't they didn't love the messenger. They didn't love the messenger, they loved the message. Oh yeah. And then, you know, we always talk about like the fuck around and find out thing. We talk about the fuck around and find out thing. It's the thing of you basically he basically you see with the vaccine, when they, when the with the PSAs for the vaccine, when they first rolled out, he was nowhere in that shit. Could you imagine him being in that room with Obama, Bush, and Carter and Clinton? No. No, 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 no. You know, so it's basically like I said, it's basically the the example of, you know. You fuck around finding out. But anyway, Stacey, we're coming to the close of the podcast. 
What's your final thoughts on Monday's game? Well, I'm going with Alabama again. Um, logic tells me that Georgia will play better in this game. They will do some things that they didn't do in the SEC championship game and uh, that they that uh, will disturb probably Alabama some. But also, are we going to bet against Nick Saban again? Are people seriously thinking that Nick Saban doesn't have a plan, doesn't know, you know, Everybody is jumping on the Georgia bandwagon because what and, and what pisses me off as a Bama fan, just listening to all the media talk and people are basically saying, well, Georgia, you know, they, they just weren't prepared and they're just making excuses for why Georgia got their ass beat and thinking, well, Georgia's just going to come in and they'll be Alabama this time. What is different from when they played a few weeks ago to now? I mean, you have, I, because, mean, the, the, I mean, do I think, <laughs> well, I mean, you got, you've had like, let's say, a full week to prepare and then some more in in a few days. What I think it is, what I do think it is, I think this game is going to be um, different. I do think that this game is going to be different. But I also think, me personally, I want Georgia to The only reason why I want Georgia to win is because those fans have suffered for so damn long. They have suffered for so damn long, Stacey. Like, that's the only reason why. Like, could you imagine being an, an Alabama fan and every time you get a chance to win a championship, the rug gets pulled from up under you? That's the only, that's the only reason why I want Georgia to win. Uh, they're becoming – they're basically becoming Tennessee. They're beca- I mean, they're ba- I mean, they are basically well, becoming Tennessee. And they're, they're, they're a good version of Tennessee – but I think that the thing about it is I think that the game, the game to me will be different, but it's going to be the same outcome. I think at some point that, you know, Alabama probably will fall behind again. They do this. This is what they do. And I should have known the last game before I started panicking, 10 to nothing. They just, boom, they hit a play, hit a play. And there was nothing. It was like Georgia just couldn't were on skates from that point down. The main thing I'm concerned about, as I was in the last game, is two things, the secondary and the offensive line, and mainly the offensive line, because we yeah, know because a lot of people line, are supposed I mean, to be a blitz. The, the offensive, offensive line, line, they're average. They're not very good. They're average at best. I don't mean to put my boys down, but I. I but mean, when they put it together, to Georgia, they were good. You have to be honest. I mean, you have to be honest. I mean, I think the thing is with the thing is with um, with the O line against Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't recruit those kind of O-line. The O-line that Cincinnati has is not the same O-line that Georgia has. Like, they, they're recruiting, you know, Alabama is on, like, all Madden, and Cincinnati is on pro, on pro, uh, on pro level on Madden. Rest in power to John Madden, by the way. Um, yeah. um. I wish that I wish God would give him. God needs to take take. God needs to take Candace Owen and give him back. Give us back John Madden, man. <laughs> give us back John Madden. They always said a good guy young, but he was eighty five, just like with Betty White. You know, it was, it was oh just time. That, that was just I felt like I lost my grandma. I felt like I lost my great grandmother. We all we all felt like that, Betty. What we just we just knew it just remind me of my, when my grandmother died. She died a week after her ninety eighth birthday. Yeah, 
in 2012. Because I'm already in my mind saying, well, she made it to 98, Lord. I guess we can start, you know, we got to start thinking about planning for 100. And she was, you know, she's 98. And then I get, we get a phone call. She called us that morning, the morning that she died. And she was, she hadn't been in church in a long time. She had gotten sick back in 2009. And she was basically bedridden for a long time. I couldn't walk like she used to. So my aunt, Deborah, um, the one I told you was born in 1955, she took care of my grandparents for a long time. My granddaddy died in 07. But anyway, so she calls and says she's going to church that morning. She hadn't been to church in three years. So she, like I said, she, she got sick. And we all knew it. My mom and my aunts, you know, at least my aunts said they knew that when she called and she said, left us a message and she said, guess what? I'm going to church. And my aunts in St. Louis both said they knew when she said that they knew that she was gone. They said that that, that was the last thing she wanted to do before she died. She came home and took a nap when she came home from church and she passed away. And it was just hard to believe because like I said, she just had a birthday. I'm in my mind. I'm thinking we're planning for her 100th birthday, you know, I'm like, oh, well, we got to start planning for Mother's 100th birthday soon and all this other stuff, and she was gone. And I think the only thing that really kind of brought me comfort in the end was that she lived a good life. She was a good person. I mean, person. That's, the same thing. that's the same thing you see with Betty White. It's like... Betty she, White, yeah. I mean, because it's like, you know, there's a folk, there's this clip where uh, all the Golden Girls were like out and about. They were all out. they they were like they were like um, not out and about, but they were all in the room. And you had Estelle Getty, Rue McClanahan, and B. Arthur. They were all just like waiting. And in comes Betty White, in comes Rose, and they were just like, "Oh my God, they're all together again." And that was the thing that I think that brought me comfort that they're together again. She gets to be with her husband again. You know, because right. they say that the last word she she spoke was Alan. Like she knew Alan was going to be there, and I could just envision out her husband being like, "Yo, come on, just come on in, just come on in," and she just running to that light and just hugging, you know, hugging, um, hugging her husband, and and that's the thing that I take solace in, and you know, for me. She was like my great grandmother. I mean, she was like our, a lot of our great. She was like everyone's great grandmother. It's like that's the thing that people don't realize, and and I just think that man, you lived a full life. Like you lived a full life, but even now, I do urge for a boycott of People's Magazine because they jinxed it. I don't read that 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 paper that publication used to be respectable, Stacy. It used to be. It used to be. It's a fish wrap. And you know how I feel about fish wraps. It's a fish wrap. They turned use... into the National, they, they the National Enquirer, just a upper crust yeah, version. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, yeah, they normally, they, yeah, they had the fucking Trump family on the, um, on the cover one time. I was like, yeah, you guys wanted this. You guys wanted a Trump presidency because it gets you ratings. It gets you books. No person did more stimulation to the economy than Trump. And why? Because they had they had all those damn uh what was that? They had all those damn um books, documentaries, TV shows, everything. 
he made them a lot of money. So I, you know, he did stimulate the economy for for that for that part. Uh, <laughs> he did. But when he lost, they lost all their access, their ac- uh, their access. They lost everything and their book deals because they can't write anything about Biden. No, they can't. They can't. I think that's the main thing that they miss about Trump is he brought the drama. They can't say anything about Biden and it pisses them off. They can't say anything rotten about him. It's sort of like some of the black folks on Twitter, they miss the former guy. Like some of those black, some of the black folks you follow, like that I follow, they, they miss him because they miss entertainment. And it's like, nobody likes when you do your job. People hate when you do your job. Right. Cause they've been jump, they've been jumping on the MVP like, well, we haven't seen it because you know what? She's doing a job. That's that's what when you when folks are doing their job, you ain't supposed to see them. Right, and, 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 and just because we and, didn't see Mike Pence a lot, and just because and yeah, and and nobody ever complained about that. No one ever complained about Mike Pence. Where's Mike Pence? But uh, over and under, one last thing. Over and under, in uh, how many days before we find out that uh. Low budget Rick Astley, aka Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, has the wrong because I think he's really struggling. He's really. I think we pretty much we know he has it. I I'll give it fourteen days. I'll give it. I'll give it two weeks. Oh yes. I said we'll find out before February. I I say maybe not even fourteen days. It'll be probably seven days. Like he, yeah, he is. He, right I mean, Florida, Florida is just a banana republic, man. Like, who, like Florida's a banana republic. I mean, it's. I mean, it's basically like imagine a world without Florida. Like, you go to Florida, you become a Florida man. Like you, you suffer from Florida man syndrome, which is what Antonio Brown did. He suffered from Florida man syndrome, as well as Tom Brady. But anyway, folks, we, oh. anyway, folks, we are coming to the close of the podcast. As always, the podcast will be available on all podcast platforms. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road. Say goodnight, Stacy. Good night, Stacy. Mask up, folks, and get your boosters. Please do.